are listening to the Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering times, please visit GoCentralChurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Ethan Crowder. All right, well, if you have a Bible, go ahead and meet me in Psalm 139, Psalm 139. I did not mow my backyard uh, this week, um, but uh, maybe, maybe you didn't either, uh, and if not, I'm not judging you. God is, but I'm not. Uh, I'm just fine. Uh, Psalm 139, as you turn there, I wonder if uh, you have ever experienced this. Have you ever been at the right place at the wrong time? Maybe you've been at the right place at the wrong time. I experienced that. Uh, this week, uh, this weekend, I went scalloping with some friends for the first time. And if you've never been scalloping, uh, you ride out into the Gulf. Uh, and basically, the trick is to look where the other boats are. Uh, and you go, act like your friends, jump in the water with them, snorkel around, uh, and then look for scallops, grab them, and put them in a bag. Uh, And so we had done, we had one friend who he was with us. He knew what he was doing. None of the rest of us knew what we were doing. Uh, But he had done a little research, done his homework, and he knew uh, that uh, where the scallops were. Uh, And we get to where the scallops were supposed to be and no scallops, right? Uh, Well, uh, what we found out is that we were in the right place. We were just three weeks late. Um, and uh, so we ended up finding some scallops. We never got right in the middle of them, but uh, we, uh, we found a few. Uh, and that's frustrating, right? It's frustrating to be in the right place at the wrong time. Or maybe you've been in the wrong place at the right time, right? You're supposed to meet uh, at this place, and instead you meet over there. Uh, maybe you have been at the wrong place at the wrong time, whatever it may be. Right? Sometimes we wish, hey, man, if I could be in two places at once, that would be really helpful. Right? Uh, that would be really nice. Well, see, this is a problem that our God has never had. Uh, he is everywhere at all times. He's in every place whenever he wants to be. Last week, we looked at Psalm 139. We looked at the first six verses, and we saw that God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. The week before that, Pastor Allen, uh, he preached, and uh, we talked about the fact uh, that God is all-powerful. That, that prefix omni, that means all. And so when we say omnipresent, what we're meaning is that God is always present. And so in Psalm 139, verses 7 to 12, uh, this is what we see this week. We see the fact that God is omnipresent, and what David shows us is that our God is ever-present and always active. Our God is ever present and always active. Let me invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's perfect word. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses here for you on the screen. Uh, The prophet Isaiah says that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And so this is what God's word says to us this morning. Beginning in verse seven, we read, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. This is God's word. You can be seated. Would you pray with me uh, as we continue in worship? Father, we are grateful for your word. 
Lord, we are grateful for your grace. And so, Father, we pray this morning that you would speak to us, you would conform us into the image of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. As we look at Psalm 139, we see that our God is ever present and always active. And we see three truths about God's omnipresence. We see first that God is everywhere. God is everywhere. We could think of it like this, that God is never not there. I know we're not supposed to use double negatives. Uh, don't tell my mom, right? God is never not there. He is always where you are, while at the same time, he is always where you are not. He is always present and always active. His presence everywhere is what theologians have called, what we've already said this morning, his omnipresence. All of God is always present in all places. Now, when we think about God's omnipresence, we've got to be careful because there are a couple of errors, a couple of ditches to avoid. And so the first error is this. The first error is thinking that, that God's omnipresence means that he just kind of stretches himself out uh, across the world or across the universe. Well, that's not the case, right? God doesn't just stretch himself out so that like his toe is over here and his arm is over here or something like that. No, God is actually personally present in every place at all times. This is what the Puritans would call his immensity, that God is immense, that God cannot be contained by space. He cannot be contained by time. And so God is ever present and always active. But there's another error that we need to avoid, and that's thinking that, that God is just everything, right? That, that God is the universe and the universe is God. This is what we call pantheism, right? That God is just everything so that, that God is the tree and God is the grass and God is the sky and God is the whatever. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about the fact that God is everywhere, See, God is not part of his creation. God is separate from his creation, but God is still present with and in his creation, right? So God is personally present with us even now. So we don't invite God into this room. We just recognize that he's already here and he's already working and he's already active. And so we look at Psalm 139, we, we begin to have David, uh, he, he moves from unpacking the fact that God knows everything and now in verse 7, he's going to move and he's going to show us that God not only knows everything, but he's always present. In verse 7, David shows us what this looks like. Look at verse 7 with me. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? Now what David's doing here is he's using some rhetorical questions, right? He, he's using questions that he doesn't expect his audience to answer, but he's using these questions to prove a point. The answer is obvious. There's nowhere we can go to flee. There's nothing we can do to escape God's presence. This is part of what makes God, God. And if you stop and think about it, this is also what makes the idolatry that Israel and us and we are constantly tempted with so insane, right? Israel's constantly tempted to worship a calf of their own making or a false god, or a false this, or a false that. See, a physical god can be contained by the physical world. But what we see in this passage is that our God who is spirit, he cannot be contained, 
right? He cannot be stopped. He is always present and he is always active everywhere. See, gods with bodies are limited, but our God is not. John Frame, he's a a theologian. He's writing on this verse. He says this. He says, David understands that the very nature of God is Lord makes him inescapable. The one who made and controls heaven and earth is necessarily present everywhere in the world he has made. See, God's presence everywhere means that there is never anything beyond his control. God's presence everywhere means that there's nothing in your life or in my life that is beyond his sovereign control. I saw a book several years ago. I I didn't read it, uh, but the the title of it has stuck with me. Uh, It's called Men Are Waffles, Women Are Spaghetti. Uh, and when I, I looked at the cover, looked at different things, but from what I can tell, right, is that, that men, we compartmentalize things. And what the author is saying, I wouldn't say this, right? What the author is saying is that women just let everything kind of flow out or whatever. Now, here's, here's the thing. We all compartmentalize different things in our life. We are all guilty of, of building these compartments and saying, you can go this far, but no further, right? I'll let you in on this much, but no further, And when we try to do that with God, we understand how ridiculous that is. Because God is everywhere and he's always active. So there's no part of your life that you can compartmentalize from him because he already knows, right? He already sees it. He's already present when you are doing it. He's already present when you are engaged with it. There's nowhere in this world, there's nothing, no place, no area, Nothing where God is not present and God is not active. I, I shared in, our, in the first service about the country of Iran. And, and as I talked about the country of Iran, um, I, I looked at the comments between services and I was reminded uh, that our, our, kind of our, our footprint is central. We, you may not realize this, but we have people viewing our services from all over the world. We, it's really amazing. And as I was talking about the country of Iran, uh, a brother commented on our live stream uh, and he said, uh, hey, uh, it's not just true in Iran, but it's true in Pakistan. It's true in these other countries. See, what I was talking about with the country of Iran is that in 1979, all of the missionaries were expelled from Iran after the Islamic Revolution. And so no missionaries are there. No gospel witness is there. Essentially, God has been expelled from the country of Iran. In 2012, the United States State Department, uh, they started noticing and, and documenting that the Iranian government was confiscating Bibles at an alarming rate from their citizens. In 2013, the United Nations, they put out a report that over the last three years, from 2010 to 2013, hundreds of Christians had been jailed simply for being Christians, simply for taking the name of Christ. And when this imprisonment came, uh, torture and beatings and personal consequences and legal ramifications... I was reading this week from Open Doors International. They are a group that, uh, that monitors Christian persecution across the world. And they put out a list of the, the 10 countries where it is hardest to be a Christian. And uh, today in 2021, Iran has moved from number 10 to number 8. 
But it's not just true in Iran. It's true in Pakistan and, and other countries, uh, other places that, that we can't even name. And so we hear about this persecution. We hear that, that God has essentially been expelled from Iran. And we think, well, what's going to happen now? Well, see, today in 2021, Christianity is the fastest growing religion in Iran. In 2013, it was estimated that there were around 320, 330,000 Christians. Today, that number is somewhere between 720,000 to a million, depending on how you count and who's counting, right? Absolutely, right? See, what that tells us, what that shows, that puts real facts with the truth that God is ever-present and always active, right? There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that any government can do uh, to, to stop what God is doing. There's nothing that any person can do to stop what God is doing, what he's accomplishing in his world. In the 60s, Time Magazine puts on the front of their cover that God is dead, right? And today we are here, right? God is ever-present and he is always active. And if God can work in Iran, if God can work in Pakistan, if God can work in North Korea, God can work in your life. God can work in that situation or that circumstance that you think is too much, right? God can work in that situation or that circumstance where you question, is he really there? See, here's the good news. You never have to question, is God really there? Because he is. Not only is he present, but he's active. He's working in you. He's working in your heart, in your life to accomplish in you what you need. And that's this, to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. See, the Bible tells us that God's working all things together for good. And he can work all things together for good because he is present and he is active in every situation. The good and the bad the easy and the hard. God's always present. He's always active. He is everywhere. Sure, God is ever present and he's always working in our lives. We see that he's everywhere. Next, we see this. You cannot run from God. You cannot run from God. There are times when it makes sense to run and there are times when it doesn't. I read this week uh, that if you want to get away, if you want to go off the map, if you don't want to be found, then Alaska is the place for you. It's estimated that in Alaska, there are hundreds, probably even thousands of fugitives who are running from something, and so they've gone to Alaska. There are times when it makes sense to run. There are times when it doesn't. Verses 8 to 10 teach us that it's never a good idea to run from God. And see, here's the thing. We do well to learn this truth from David rather than like Jonah, right? <laughs> David is telling us that God is everywhere and that you can't run from him. Jonah finds out that God is not just present in Tarshish and in Nineveh, but he's also present in the belly of a whale, right? And so we do well to learn this truth rather than put it to the test, right? Rather than to think, hey, maybe I can outrun God. Maybe I can get away from him. Here is the spoiler alert. You are not faster than God, right? You cannot outrun him. So in verses 8 and 9, David, he starts contrasting these, these two extremes to show us that there's no way to escape God's presence. So look at verse 8. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. 
Now, what David's doing is he's contrasting the highest heights, right? Heaven is the highest height, and Sheol is the lowest low. Sheol's also translated as the pit or the grave or hell. I I love what Matthew Henry said about Sheol. He said, Sheol is a most uncomfortable place to go to bed. What David is saying, he's saying, look, it doesn't matter the highest heights or the lowest low. You cannot escape God's presence. He's present in both. Now, some will talk about hell as being the place where God is not. Being the place of separation from God. But here's the truth, according to the Bible, is that God is just as present in hell as he is in heaven. The difference is, is that in heaven, God's present uh, with his gracious presence with his people. In hell, we have God's wrathful presence on his enemies. See, God is present in both. He's not separated. He's not divided. He's present in both. Now, in hell, there is a separation, but it's not a removal, right? God is still present there. And so David is saying, look, it doesn't matter if you, wherever you go, up or down, right, God is present. But then in verse 9, we've got two more extremes. Look at verse 9. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. And he talks about this wings of the morning and the uttermost parts of the sea. The the wings of the morning, that's there where uh, the sun rises in the east. So the wings of the morning are the farthest east. And, and then to the, the uttermost parts of the sea, that would have been the farthest west of the Mediterranean from Israel. Either way, east or west, up or down, you cannot run from God. David's saying, look, it doesn't matter. You can go as far that way or as far that way, and you still can't get away from God. You can go as far up or as far down, as far east or as far west, as far north or as far south as you want, and you cannot escape God's presence because God is present everywhere. And he's always active. He's not just present and removed. No, he's present and active. Verse 10, we, we've got in verse 9, we've got these two extremes, the wings of the morning and the uttermost parts of the sea. And then in verse 10, we have, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. That's what David says. He says, even there, that farthest reach, When you feel like you have run as far from God as you can, even there. We should circle that word, that phrase, underline it, exclamation point, even there. The New Testament equivalent of even there would be but God, right? That I tried to run, but God. I tried to get away, but even there, God found me. Even there, God could hold me. Even there, God was near. See, you can't separate God's presence and his power, right? His presence and his power, they know no limits. And so if God is present, then he is active. So this is huge for you and me. Since God is present in every situation and every circumstance, he is active in every situation and every circumstance. That's what we need. We need more of God, right? Here's what you don't need. You don't need another book. You don't need another self-help talk. You don't need another this or that. You know what every situation and every circumstance of your life and my life needs more of? We need more of God, right? 
If we had more of God, if we, we recognize it, it's not that, that, that God is withholding himself. No, God is there, right? He is present. He is active. We just need to realize and recognize that God is present. Right? God is active in this situation. I have nothing to fear because God is active. God is working. God is there. God is not removed. I found out this week that my household is above average. The average U.S. household spends $2,200 a year on electricity. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that we've beat that, right? We've, we've beat the, uh, the average. And so this week I was Googling, how do you save money on electricity? And Google told me that in two-thirds of a second, they had populated 182,000 search results. Now, some of these recommendations were reasonable, like turn off the lights when you leave the room. Others were not so reasonable, like keep the AC at 78 or higher, right? I don't need that kind of negativity in my life, right? Uh, the Lord gave us air conditioning. Why not, right? Now, one of the interesting options about how to save money uh, on your bill was unused electronics. Unused electronics account for 10% of the average American household's electric bill. So that coffee pot that you use in the morning uh, and then you don't use again, you unplug it. Or that toaster, you unplug it. Or that hair straightener or that uh, cell phone charger or whatever it may be, you unplug it and you save some money. Because if it's not plugged in, right, it can't draw power. Right? So you, you unplug it and you're good. You start saving a little bit of cash. Here's the good news is that try as we may, we can never unplug from God's presence and God's power. Try as we may, we can never run from God's presence and God's power. We can't get away from it. See, where God is present, he is active. And this is, this is, this is such good news for us. This weekend, uh, we've, had, we've had some situations uh, with families in the church that we couldn't do anything other than pray. We didn't know what else to do than to pray. And here's the good news in those situations. That God was present and active in that situation before I knew to pray. God was present and active in that situation before the moms and the dads and the sons and the daughters knew to text us and say, hey, please pray for this situation. God was present and active in that situation before that situation happened. God was present and active in that situation before it was ever realized. And here's the truth. God is present and active in every situation in your life, even the situations and the circumstances where you think he cannot work. God is present and active in every place in every area, at all times in your life. And so maybe you say, Ethan, I just don't feel like God is present with me. Maybe, maybe you're walking through kind of that dark night of the soul. Maybe you're in that situation or that circumstance where you just feel forgotten. Good news is God hasn't forgotten you, Right? You can't unplug from his power and his presence. See, he's ever present and he's always working. He's everywhere. You cannot run from him. And finally, we see this. You cannot hide from him. You cannot hide from God. People who hide typically have a reason to hide. They have a reason they don't want to be found. 
But when you and I try to hide from God, we look like uh, the child that is playing hide and go seek with their mommy or their daddy. And they put their hands over their face and they say, if I can't see you, then you can't see me. Right. And what happens? We can see him. Right. Or they, they get in the curtains and they think they've done such a good job of hiding, but they're giggling and their toes are sticking out. Right. Right. We see them. Right. And, and it's cute and it's funny. But that's the same thing we do when we think that we can run and we can hide from God. Right. I'm just going to put my hands over my eyes. I'm going to stand in the corner and I'll be OK. Then God won't know. Then he can't find me. But God's ever present. He's always active. He knows where you are, right? He knows where you're trying to hide because he was there before you got there, right? He, he knows what you're trying to keep off limits to him because he's already there. He's already seen it. He already knows. In verses 11 and 12, we were reminded we can't hide from God because he's present. He's active everywhere. Look at verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light be about me. Now, this is a hypothetical is what David's doing here. He, he's doing kind of a thought exercise. Now, now, what if I said, hey, I'm going to go hide in the dark. Verse 12 tells us that even in darkness, you're not hidden from God's sight, right? Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. See, the only reason to be covered by darkness is if you have something to hide. And what God says is, look, the darkness, that doesn't bother me. I'm not afraid of the dark. Now, we're reminded here is that dark is not dark to God, and dark is not dark to God because our God transcends creation. Right? Our God is bigger than creation. He's more powerful than creation. So dark is as light to him. But what we also see in these verses is that our God doesn't just transcend creation. He's also imminent. So that means that, that God is bigger than creation. He's bigger than us. He's stronger than us. He's more powerful than us. He's different than us. But his eminence means that he's also near to us. And so we've got this huge God who is near to us and invites us to draw near to him. See, I love flashlights. Maybe I love flashlights a little too much. I like going to stores and looking at flashlights. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we decided, hey, we've been in the house all day. Let's get out. Let's go drive around. And so we ended up at Harbor Freight. Uh, now, I can feel the judgment, right? Some of you are already judging me. Oh, you went to Harbor Freight is the, the place, right? Get off my back, right? Uh, so we, we go in, and I quickly found what I didn't need but bought anyway, right? Uh, but then I went to the flashlight aisle. And I got these flashlights off, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like the kid at Christmas who's like turning on all the dancing Santas and stuff. Like I'm turning on all the lights and like, ooh, you know, <laughs> look how bright this are. Anna, look, look at this, right? This is however many luminance. It's only $25, or it's only this, or whatever that. Right? I appreciate a good flashlight. And as Floridians, right, we know the value of a good flashlight. When a hurricane comes and we hear it's a Category 1 or a Category 2, right, we don't get that excited like oh, it's going to be some wind and some, some lightning. When that Category 3 comes, like, all right, not playing this time. Let's check the gas in the generator and let's check the batteries in the what? The flashlight, right? Let's check to make sure the flashlight works. And why do we need the flashlight? Because we can't see in the dark, right? It doesn't matter how well you know your house, Right? Your kid will leave the Lego on the floor. Right? You, you need the flashlight. 
You need to be able to see in the dark. But praise God, our God doesn't need a flashlight, right? He's not afraid of the darkness that we might come into or that we might, we might try to hide in because the darkness is his light to him. He sees, he knows, he can tell. And so we talked about that dark night of the soul just a minute ago. Maybe, maybe today, maybe this week, maybe this month or this year, maybe you were just in that dark night of the soul. Maybe you're in that situation or that circumstance where you feel alone. You feel abandoned. You feel like there's nothing that you can do that God doesn't see, God doesn't care, that you're just in this corner and you're stuck and you don't know what to do because the darkness will not lift. Here's the good news for you and for me is that God is in the darkness. Right? You're not there alone. You're not there by yourself. You are there and God is there and God is working. See, what the psalmist says earlier in the Psalms is true, that darkness may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now, we don't know how long that night will be, right? That night could be days or weeks or months or years, but what we know is for those who are in Christ Jesus, then ultimately... Right? That night ends when we are with him because Jesus wins. Right? Because we get joy and we get eternal life with him where there is no darkness. It's always light because God's glory shines as the sun. And where God's glory shines, sin and darkness and pain cannot prevail. Where God's glory shines, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to worry about. He prays God that he doesn't need a flashlight. Even when we feel alone, he's there and he sees us. Isn't it good news that our God, he's everywhere, he's omnipresent, but he's not removed from the lives of his people? See, the Bible tells us that God doesn't just know our struggle and our pain. It tells us that, that he doesn't know it just because he has seen it or just because uh, he is there as we walk through it. No, the Bible tells us that our God knows our struggles and our pain and our temptation because he has felt them. See, he's not just the God who goes before us and behind us. He's not just the God that's above us and below us. He is the God that is with us. He is our Emmanuel, our God with us. See, this psalm, this truth that God is omnipresent is ultimately fulfilled, ultimately pointing us to Jesus Christ who came from heaven and dwelt among us and tabernacled amongst his people. See, if we were to turn to Hebrews chapter 4 and look at verses 14 and 15 and 16, we would see that in Christ we have a great high priest who passed through heaven and has been tempted in every way that you and I have been tempted. And yet he was without what? He was without sin, right? So he was tempted in the same ways that you and I were, but where we were found unfaithful, God, Jesus, was found faithful. And so our God is not some removed God who, though omnipresent, remains uncaring about what he sees. No, Hebrews tells us that in Christ, our God sympathizes with us. See, here's the thing. Our omnipresent God is the antidote to our fear. Our omnipresent God is the antidote to our fear. You see, some of us are concerned about what that test result is going to be. 
That some of us are concerned about what's going to happen when my kids don't live at home anymore. What's going to happen if I lose my job? What's going to happen if the stock market crashes? Well, I don't know what will happen when your kids leave home. I don't know what happens if the stock market crashes. I don't know if what happens if you lose your job. But what I do know is that no matter what, God is present and he is working. God hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. And he never will. He's good. And he's good all the time. See, the author of Hebrews goes on to tell us that that because our God sympathizes with us, we can draw near with confidence to his throne of grace and find mercy. See, because Jesus is our Emmanuel, because he is our God with us, we can always come near to him. See, we love John chapter 3, don't we? John 3, 16, we know that verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We believe that and we quote that and we say, hey, yes, amen. But what happens whenever we don't act very Christian? What happens whenever we're confronted with that sin that we didn't realize? Or what happens when we enjoy that sin a little too much or or this or that? And then all of a sudden, we believe John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But then we think, hey, I've got to like re-prosecute myself, Right? I've got to beat myself up. But if we were to keep reading from John 3.16 to John 3.17, we would see that Jesus has not come in the world to condemn the world, but he's come so that through him the world might be saved. See, the omnipresence of God teaches us and reminds us that there's no sin that you have done that surprises God because God was already there when you were doing it. And last week we saw that God's omniscience teaches us that that there's no sin that you can commit that is so grave that God didn't know it was coming, right? There's nothing you do that catches God off guard. And and so maybe maybe you need to ask yourself, right? A a good test is, do I believe the gospel? What do I believe about the gospel? Is to ask yourself this question. What do you do when you sin? When you sin, when you're confronted with the ugly reality of your sin, is your first move to run from God or to run to God? Because if your first move is to run from God rather than to God, then you don't understand the gospel and you don't understand God's grace. And you don't understand what it means that God is omniscient and that he's omnipresent. Because he's omniscient and he's omnipresent, it means he already knows what you've done. He knew you were going to do it before you did it. And because of the gospel, he's died for that anyway. Right? There's no sin that you can do that, that outsins the grace of God. There's nothing you can do to nullify God's grace through Jesus Christ. See, so, some of us, we, we feel like if we sin, then Jesus can't love us anymore. Or if we sin, then we've got to be afraid of our God because certainly he's angry with us. But here's the good news for you and me today. Is that on the cross, Jesus took every bit of God's wrath for every sin that you would commit. And he takes your sin and he gives you, he gives me his righteousness. He he takes our sin and he gives us his grace and his mercy. He takes our sin and he gives us his glory. He takes our punishment and he gives us his reward. And so maybe today you need to be reminded of that. Maybe today you need to be reminded that Jesus has died for those sins. He knows those sins that you've already committed. He knows that sin that you're going to commit. He was present there for it and he loves you still. Right? He still loves you. 
He's present. He's always active. He's everywhere. You can't run from him. You can't hide from him. And so that means that he knows everything there is to know about you. The good news is, is that our God is not a God that we need to hide from. He's a God who's always present with us, always witnesses what we do, the good and the bad. And here's the thing. He still invites us to be known by him and to know him. And so today, rather than trying to run from God because of what you've done or or trying to hide from him because of your past, embrace him because he's good. See, running and hiding from God is exhausting. Trying to hide your sin is exhausting. Trying to run from God who you can't outrun is exhausting. And what Jesus says is, come to me, right? You who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you He doesn't say, come to me, and I'll tell you what you need to do to earn my forgiveness. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. And so maybe today you need that rest that only Jesus can give. Maybe today you'd say, Ethan, I am a Christian. I am following Jesus. But I don't feel really Christian right now because I've got some junk in my life, and and I I just need to get rid of it. See, the the good news and the bad news for you is that God already knows, right? That's the bad news. The good news is, is that in Jesus, you have a great high priest who invites you to draw near with confidence where you can find mercy at his throne of grace. Maybe maybe this morning you would say, Ethan, I I need to talk more about this grace thing. I've, I've never trusted Jesus. I don't know what that looks like. Well, know this. Jesus is ready and waiting no matter what you've done. It's not a surprise to him. You might say, Ethan, you don't understand. I've done some junk. It's not a surprise to our God because he's ever present and he's what? He's always active, right? And so even in the midst of that junk, God was present and he was active bringing you to this place today so that he could grab a hold of your world and say, trust in me. Know me. Taste and see that I am the Lord and I am good. And so maybe, maybe you need to trust Jesus today. You trust Jesus, right? It's, it's not about a prayer, some kind of magic word you say, but it, it's, it's a heart response to what he's already done. And maybe you just need to verbalize that with a prayer that, God, I know I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And, and I want Jesus to come and I want him to forgive me. I want him to save me. And I want to lay my life down at his feet. So here in just a minute, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing. Maybe you need to pray that prayer. Maybe you need to pray something like, Lord, forgive me for for walking away from you. Forgive me for not following you. I need to trust you. I I need to come back to you. I need to give you this sin that I've been hanging on to so that you can give me rest. I don't know what decision it is that you need to make this morning, but what I do know is that anytime we read God's word, he's calling us to respond. And I know that we all have junk that we need to lay at his feet. And so as we sing, Maybe you need to pray. Lord, I give you this. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, thank you that though you are everywhere, you are always active. God, thank you that though you see the ways we mess up and the ways that we sin, God, we can have confidence knowing that in Jesus we have a high priest 
We have a priest who doesn't just offer the sacrifice, but is the sacrifice. And so God, I pray that we would know that this morning. Lord, I pray that you would take your word and you would do with it what only you can do. Let's apply it to our hearts. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Central Church Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at gocentralchurch.org.